Can you find your seats? And if you would, turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we will be going through the Ten Commandments one final Sunday here. Exodus 20, starting in verse 1. If you would, read along with me one last time. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and to the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Dear Lord, our Father in heaven, God, we come once again, Lord, to this important portion of Scripture, Lord. We come once again, Lord, in all humility, knowing that we fail to hold up the law, that we fail to walk in the way that you have called us to walk, Lord. And as Ross said earlier today, God, we praise you and we glorify you and we celebrate the grace of that is offered through your Son, Lord. I pray as we've gone through the Ten Commandments, Lord, as we've looked at the law and as we will continue to look at the law in future sermons, God, I pray that it reminds us that we are sinners in need of grace, Lord. Yet, God, at the same time, we understand that this law is good, that these commandments were given for us to love you, Lord, and love our neighbors, Lord love you, Lord, and to show those who have been made in your image, Lord, the love that you have called us to do, Lord. So God, I pray this morning as we finish up going over the Ten Commandments, as we look back on, on kind of what we've learned, Lord, and come to a, a final conclusion, really a final application, Lord, that you would convict our hearts, Lord, to worship you, to glorify you, to love you, 
Amen. This is going to be our, our last sermon uh, through the Ten Commandments. Next week we'll be moving on, but I thought I would end this summer, summer series um, with one final kind of concluding sermon on really the entire Ten Commandments, and we're going to be focusing on the First Commandment and the Tenth Commandment this morning. Um, so today I have three truths, three truths about the First and Tenth Commandment, and unlike last week where I had five observations that didn't necessarily build off each other, these three truths kind of build off each other and lead to a final application where we'll be spending most of our time. One final application that's derived from, really, I believe, all Ten Commandments. It's an application that really comes from the entire study that we have gone through in this last uh, summer, going through the Ten Commandments. So we'll, we'll, we'll go through that again. Uh, three truths that will kind of build off each other. We'll go through those quickly, and then we'll spend some time on one final application uh, this morning. So let's just jump right into the sermon. The first truth is this. First truth. The first and tenth commandment are the most important commandments out of the ten. The first and tenth commandment are the most important commandments out of the ten. As I've said, you can split the ten commandments right in half. The first half of the ten commandments uh, really deal with our relationship with God, and the second half of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with others. In fact, most theologians believe that's why there's two tablets that Moses came down the mountain with, two different tablets. It's not because God's writing was large. It's two tablets because there's two types of commandments within the Ten Commandments. The first half has to do with our relationship with God. The second half of the Ten Commandments has to do with our relationship with man. Again, the first half has to do with our vertical relationship, our relationship with God, and the second half has to do with our horizontal relationships, our relationship with man. And I believe these two halves of the Ten Commandments are governed by the First Commandment and the Tenth Commandment. The First Commandment, in other words, governs the, the first five commandments. The Tenth Commandment governs the last five commandments, and We spent a lot of time on this last week, but real quick, the first and tenth commandment are connected. Again, we've said this actually the last couple weeks, are connected because they both directly deal with the heart. The first commandment deals with worship, worship of God. It says this in Exodus 20, verse 3, shall have no other gods before me. The tenth commandment, right, deals with coveting or desiring your neighbor's stuff. Worship happens within the heart. Coveting or desiring your neighbor's stuff happens within your heart. Both these commandments deal directly with the heart, worship and coveting. Therefore, the first and tenth commandment, as we have seen, teach us how to interpret the entire law. They teach us, they govern how to interpret the first five commandments, the the last five commandments, and really how to interpret the whole Old Testament law. We are to interpret it at a heart level. If you would, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. We're going to once again look at Jesus' teaching on the commandments, on the law, on the Ten Commandments. Of course, Jesus would be the best teacher being God the Son himself. Now let me give you the context as you are turning there. This is a familiar 
portion of scripture to probably most of us, if not all of us, but the context is this. The Pharisees, the religious leaders in that day, were trying to trap Jesus by asking questions they thought were unanswerable. And so one of the questions they ask is found in verse 36. A man comes, a, a, a teacher, a Pharisee comes and asks this. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? This, this Pharisee came to Jesus and asked him, what is the greatest, what is the most weighty, what is the most important law in the entire Old Testament, in the entire law? And, and let me be clear, he wasn't in, having in mind here just the Ten Commandments. He's thinking of the entire Torah, the entire Old Testament law. By their estimation, there were 613 laws in the Old Testament law. So which one is the greatest? Which one is the weightiest? We'll look at Jesus' answer, verse 37. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. In other words, this is the most weighty commandment in the entire Old Testament because this one command governs all the commandments, right? All of the law, right? Love of God is foundational to the entire Old Testament law. In fact, love of God is foundational to the entire Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus says this in verse 39. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, there's something that has always bothered me about Jesus' answer. It, all the way back to when I was a kid, hearing Jesus answer this question. It's always bothered me. I've never really doubt scripture on this or doubted that this was the right answer by Jesus or that there was some contradiction in scripture. But it just kind of bothered me, and I knew there was a better explanation about Jesus' answer, because Jesus is quoting the Old Testament here in his answer, but he's not quoting from the Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Most of us know that's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. That's not the Ten Commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19.18. So how can you say these are the two most important laws if they're not found in Exodus chapter 20? Or the other place, Deuteronomy 5, where the Ten Commandments are listed. I mean, just think about Exodus 20 for a second, and we've gone over it so we know the context, we know what's going on. God is speaking to Israel, his people. He's speaking to Israel from his own voice. He's speaking directly to the nation of Israel from the fire on the mountain, from his own voice, and he gives ten laws. Ten laws that are foundation to all the laws that would come after it. That's the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the laws found in that. These ten laws are foundational to them all. These ten laws transcend both the Old and New Testament. God gave ten laws that are closely connected to the character of God, more, the, more so than any other laws within the Old Testament. Ten laws that, that are found within every man's heart from birth. Ten laws that every single human being is accountable to. So why didn't Jesus quote from the Ten Commandments 
Instead, he quotes two Old Testament verses that are not found in Exodus 20. Why these two laws? This, this actually bothered me so much that as an adult, as someone that has studied scripture a lot, I just wanted to look into this and really think about it and meditate on it and ask this question, why these two laws? And I've come up with at least two reasons. The first reason is this, and I've talked about this before. Even though Jesus doesn't directly quote from the Ten Commandments, these two verses, these two laws, summarize the entire Ten Commandments. Again, the Ten Commandments can be summed up, as we just saw and just said, as our vertical relationship with God, love of God, and our horizontal relationship with man, right, love of neighbor. The first five commandments deal with our love of God, right, worship of God, loving God. The last five commandments deal with our relationship with others. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. Therefore, these two verses that Jesus quotes from the Old Testament really summarize the entire Ten Commandments. Again, look at verse 40. Jesus says this, On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now that word depend in Greek is kreman numai. It means to depend on, to hang on, or to, to, to tie together by. In other words, all of the law, all 613 commands in the Old Testament, all the law depends on, hangs on, or tied together by love of God, love of neighbor. Those two commands. Even the Ten Commandments. Love of God, love of neighbor. So this is why Jesus quoted these two verses. They summarize the entire Ten Commandments. But there's another reason which... I've really just discovered in the last few months in studying the Ten Commandments this summer and really thinking about it and meditating on it. Remember, I have said the last few weeks that the First and Tenth Commandment are connected. They're connected because they're the first and last thing you read when you read through the Ten Commandments. The first impression, the last impression as you go through the Ten Commandments. They deal directly with the heart. They're connected. They're the only ones that that on face value deal directly with the heart. They teach us how to interpret the rest of the commandments because they're the first and last and deal directly with the heart. They teach us that we should interpret all of the Ten Commandments at a heart level. Therefore, I have said they are the most, the two most important commandments in the Ten Commandments. So why didn't Jesus quote the first and tenth commandments, or why didn't Jesus say the first and tenth commandment are the most important? he did. He did. The the two verses he quoted, love God and love your neighbor, are just the positive sides to the first and tenth commandment. Let me explain, and I think this will make sense as I explain it and give some observations here. I, I don't know if you've noticed as we've gone through the Ten Commandments this summer, I'm sure you have, but eight out of the Ten Commandments are stated negatively. You shall not. You shall not. You shall not. This includes the first and tenth commandment. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, or you shall not worship other gods. The tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Now, in interpreting the ten commandments, and I've done this throughout the summer, each negative commandment has a positive side that 
God expects us to obey. Let me just give you an example. You should not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. What would be the positive side of that? How about this? You shall be faithful. That's the positive side. God's people are to be faithful, especially within the, the marriage covenant. How about this one? You shall not bear false witness. What would be the positive side? You shall tell the truth about your neighbor. That would be the positive side. In other words, God's people are to be truthful. Let me give you another example. You shall not steal. This might be a little bit more tricky, but what's the positive side here? How about this? You shall be generous. In fact, if you go through the, the Old Testament law, we see over and over and over again where there's these laws that the people of Israel, God's people, are to be generous to the poor and to the people around them. Isn't that the opposite of stealing, being generous? Let me ask a question. What's the opposite side of the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me, or you shall not, in other words, you shall not worship any other gods. How about this? Verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Let me ask another question. What is the positive side to the tenth commandment? You shall not covet your neighbor's house or his wife or his servants or his animals or his stuff. What would be the positive side to this? How about this? Verse 39. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now just think about that. If you truly loved your neighbor as yourself, would you ever covet his stuff? No, why? Because you'd just be happy he had it. (laughs) Think about it. Because you love him so much, you'd just be happy he had it. Whatever it is. In other words, you wouldn't favor yourself, covet, saying, I I should have that. You wouldn't favor yourself over your neighbor. You love him as yourself, therefore you would want him to have it. Listen, negative. You shall not worship any other gods. Positive. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Negative. You shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. Positive. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was pointing us to the first and tenth commandment. Therefore, the first and tenth commandment are the most important commandments within the ten commandments, for sure. But I would say they're the most important commandments in the entire law. Jesus just quotes the positive side of the negative commandments found in the ten commandments. Simply put positively, love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. This leads me to my second truth. Second truth of the sermon this morning, built off that first truth. This is kind of a bold claim, so I want you to listen to this and think about it. The first and tenth commandment are the same command. First and tenth commandment are the same command, but from two different angles. It's the 
same command again. This is kind of a bold claim. So let me explain. Let me see if I can convince you that this is true. It's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And we spent time on this. Another way you could say this is you shall not worship any other god. At the 10th commandment, you shall not covet or desire. That Hebrew word we talked about, covet, means desire. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, wife, servants, animals, or anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not covet, in other words, your neighbor's things or stuff. Let's think deeply about this. If you switch the words around in these two commandments, they would both still make perfect sense. Let me just do that. First commandment. You shall not covet... Again, that word means desire. You shall not covet or desire any other God. Tenth commandment. You shall not worship. Remember that word worship means value or, or worthship, stuff you put worth into. Desire, right? You shall not worship your neighbor's stuff. It's the same command. And don't just take my word for it. I believe Paul makes the same observation. If you would, turn to Colossians Three verse five, Colossians chapter three verse five. If you have your scriptures, if you have your word this morning. I'd, I'd like for you to open up and look at this. It's on the screen if you don't, but um, I'd like you to see it in your own Bibles. Paul writing he says this put to death therefore this is verse 5 Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness then he adds this little footnote which is idolatry what is idolatry Idolatry is simply this, worshiping false gods. Idolatry is breaking the first commandment. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Therefore, Paul here is equating coveting to idolatry. He's equating the first commandment and the tenth commandment. And this is not the only place he does that. Listen to Ephesians 5.5. 5. He says this, For you may be sure of this, that, that everyone who is sexual, sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, here's the footnote, an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Again, coveting is idolatry. Coveting, listen, is worshiping or desiring a false god. It just happens to be that that false god is stuff. It's things. Not a foreign deity. Ungodly desires, in other words, are idolatrous. It's worshiping something else over the one true God. Meaning... When you unrighteously desire something that, that's not yours, like David did with Bathsheba, we talked about that story last week, it's idolatry. It's not only breaking the 10th commandment, it's breaking the 1st commandment. It's the same command. Or 
when you unrighteously desire something that is forbidden, like Eve did with the forbidden fruit, it's idolatry. Or, this is probably the trickiest one, when you desire something that is good to an unrighteous level, something that is good becomes too important to you. It starts to rival God in importance, in other words. It's become idolatrous. It's idolatry. And that's because our ultimate desire, our ultimate love, and our ultimate worship should belong to God alone. And that is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Therefore, again, the first and tenth commandment are the same command. They're just from two different angles. Right? A vertical angle, love of God, don't worship other gods, any other gods. Instead, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And a horizontal angle, love of neighbor, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Instead, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, spend time in this deep theology here and kind of examining these two commandments, the Ten Commandments, the two at the end, the first and tenth commandment. You might be wondering, like, okay, I get it, but why? The reason we're spending so much time on this is there is an extremely important application that comes from this. Right? And we're going to get to it in a second, but let me give you one more thing before we move on to the next point. And the application is found in this last observation. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, that's the negative side. The positive side is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's stuff, right? house, wife, servants, animals. The positive side, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask a question. Why should we love our neighbor? Just think about it, biblically, theologically. What is the basis for our love of neighbor? Simply this. Our neighbor is made in the image of God. He's made in the image of God. Therefore, the first commandment is this. You shall love God. The tenth commandment is this. You shall love the image of God. The first commandment, love God. The tenth commandment, love the image of God. The first commandments, right? The first five, vertical angle, the first commandment, right? Love God himself. The tenth commandment, which governs the second five, right? The horizontal angle, love the image of God. Again, the first commandment governs the first half of the Ten Commandments. The tenth commandment governs the second half of the Ten Commandments. They are the two most important commandments, and they're the same command brings me to the final truth. Final truth. Again, these three truths build off each other. This final truth is where we get super close to the application. The first commandment is the most important. Love God is the most important. The first commandment is most important. But the tenth commandment reveals if you truly love God or not. The first commandment is the most important. But the tenth commandment reveals if you truly love God or not. Turn back to Matthew 22, verse 35. 
There's something else that's always bothered me about Jesus' response, and I've talked about this before, but Jesus is directly dealing with the law, and he's summarizing the Ten Commandments, and he's dealing with the most weighty, important commandments. Look at verse 35. He says this. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Again, verse 36, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the most important? Which is the most weighty? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? This is the question that was asked. Verse 37, and he, that's Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Now listen. That is the perfect answer. It's the perfect answer. Like, period. In fact, if Jesus had a microphone, he should have dropped it and walked away. It's the perfect answer. We are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. He is to be our ultimate affection, our ultimate desire, our ultimate treasure, our ultimate love. We are to worship God alone. Therefore, it's just, it's the perfect answer because it covers everything. It covers everything. If you truly love God, you will obey what he says. If you, if you truly love God with, with all your soul, heart, and mind, you will obey all 613 laws in the Old Testament. Because you love Him. Meaning, love of God is foundational to all the commandments. It's the one command that, that ties all the, the commandments together. Jesus gave the perfect answer. But then He does something extremely odd. Verse 39. A second is like it. Now, he wasn't asked for a second. We went back, a person came to him and asked, what's the, the greatest commandment? What is the weightiest commandment? What's the great commandment of the law? He was asked for the greatest commandment. And in, first, in verse 39, he says this, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, in my opinion, verse 39 and 40 are odd, and they're odd enough where it, it should make you stop and question why. Because Jesus, again, was only asked for the greatest, and he gave the perfect answer. Period. In fact, the Pharisees that were asking the questions, he just shut them up by, by giving that answer. He didn't have to go any further. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It covers everything. It even covers the second greatest commandment. So why add the second? Why say in verse 40, on these two commandments? And he could have said on that one commandment. But he doesn't. He says on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Here's what I think. And I'm going to be honest. This comes from being a pastor for 12 years now. It comes from Scripture, but it also just, just perfectly lines up with, with what I've seen within Christianity in the last 12 years. 
it's pretty easy to fool yourself into thinking that you love God. It's pretty easy to fool yourself into thinking that you love God. Partly, I think, because he's invisible. It's a relationship that, that, that is with someone that, that no one else can see. No one can see that relationship. With their eyes, at least. Again, it's pretty easy to fool yourself into thinking that you love God. Most people think that they love God. Most people that, that believe there is a God think that they, they love God. In fact, if you ask the average America, American who believes in God, if you ask them, do you love God? They, they will say yes. And if you don't believe me, just, just think of the context. Let's get the experience out of the way. Let's think of the context of who Jesus was talking to. Who was he talking to? Pharisees. If anyone believed they loved God, it's the Pharisees. I mean, the Pharisees were the most religious people ever. I mean, they could give you a list of, of reasons why they can prove that they love God. Listen, it's pretty easy to fool yourself into thinking you love God. It's much harder to prove your love for God by loving your neighbor. Let me say it again. It's, it's pretty easy to fool yourself into thinking you love God. It's much harder to, to prove your love for God by loving your neighbor. Therefore, in essence, Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, Hey, you guys think you love God? Prove your love for God by loving your neighbor. Prove your love for God by the love you have for your neighbor. The Pharisees may have been able to fool themselves that they loved God, and they did. But it was obvious to everyone, and I believe even themselves, obvious to everyone that they did not love their neighbors as themselves. They had disdain for others. They were self-righteous. They were proud. They thought they were better than everyone else. They thought they were better than their neighbor. In other words, they loved themselves more than everyone else. Now, remember, the first commandment is foundational. You shall have no other gods before me. It's foundational to all the law. In fact, that one law is the very first law that came out of God's mouth in all of the law in the Old Testament because it's foundational to all of the law in the Old Testament. But especially those first five commandments, which all directly deal with our vertical relationship, loving God. Right? They all deal with loving God. Now, this is so important. The tenth commandment is also foundational. I hope you see that now. Especially to the last five commandments, which all have to do with what? Loving who? Loving who? No. Loving the image of God. The Ten Commandments, the first half, loving God. The second half, loving the image of God. And here's Jesus' point. How can you say, I love God, if you don't love the image? That's what he was telling the Pharisees. You know, on one level, this is so simple. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Absolutely no sense whatsoever to say, I love God, but then hate his image. 
so simple, but it's also so revealing. It's revealing. This brings me to the application this morning. The application to the sermon this morning, and in reality, in a lot of ways, it's the main application that we get from the whole summer. It's the main application that we get from the Ten Commandments. And it's so simple. We prove our love for an invisible God with our love for his visible image. Now, I'm telling you, this truth is everywhere in the New Testament. You just see place after place after place where you see this this truth. In fact, it's so amazing to me just how connected the Old Testament Ten Commandments are to the New Testament. And and you see this truth everywhere in the New Testament. But I'm going to just give you a few examples this morning because we just run out of time if we went through them all. Turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Now, we were just in James chapter 3 a few weeks ago. Let me just give you the context. It should be familiar. James is talking about the mouth, the tongue, the mouth, tongue, and what we say. Those are analogies, the mouth and tongue for, for our speech, how we talk. The tongue, our speech, in other words, James says in the context, is extremely destructive. In fact, he says it's a relentless evil who can tame it. And we talked about when we were in this passage that the tongue's connected to the heart. The tongue reveals the heart. Well, look what James says in verse 9 about the tongue. He says this, With it, that's the tongue, the mouth, right? With it, We bless our Lord and Father. In other words, we claim to love God. We bless Him. We worship Him. Right? We come and we sing songs and praises to Him. We tell everyone that we're Christians and followers of Christ and that we love God and we we love Christ, that we are are His followers. With it, with the mouth, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God makes absolutely no sense. Makes no sense. You think about it. Just think about it. Do you truly love God if you are cursing his image? If you're gossiping, complaining about people, slandering, condemning people who are made in his image? This could be with a mouth, but in our day and age, it could be with the fingers too, right, on Facebook? What other social media? I'm not on social media, so I'm... Verse 10. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so, right? He's saying this makes no sense. With the same mouth, I... I I worship God, I I bless God in the same mouth, I curse his image. That makes no sense. Verse 11, does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, uh, bear olives or a grapefruit, uh, a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. Again, it's pretty easy to fool yourself into thinking you love God. God who you can't see, a God who is invisible, it's much harder to prove your love for God 
by loving your neighbor who is visible and who is made in the image of God. And listen, this is especially true, especially true when it comes to our love for other believers. Why? Well, think about it. If man is made in the image of God and believers are reborn in Christ, meaning the image is reborn, even has the Spirit of God living within them, God, the third person, living within the believer, then shouldn't we have a unique love for other believers? I mean, that transcends all our differences. It's one of the reasons in Revelation we see people from every time, tribe, and people groups together worshiping God because the love of God transcends all of our differences. It should. And each person's made in the image of God. Redeemed. The Spirit living within them. This is why Jesus said in John 3.35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for God. It's not what he says, right? Think about it, though. Isn't that the greatest commandment? That's what we, we think he should have said. People will know that you're my disciples if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But that's not what he says. He goes to the second greatest commandment. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And just so you know, the one another applies fellow believers. Don't get me wrong, we should have love for for every single person made in the image of God. Conception all the way to death. But there should be a special love for one another. special love that is a testimony to a lost world, what Jesus is saying. Listen, love of one another proves love of God. That's why Jesus said, and this truth, again, just all over the New Testament. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. First John chapter 2, verse 9. Yeah, I want you to see this because it's not me saying this. (laughs) Like, it doesn't get any more just just simple than 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. Right here. Whoever says, verse 9, whoever says he is in the light. In other words, he's speaking. Someone's claiming to be a Christian, that they're in the light. They're claiming to love God, to be a follower of Christ. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, is still in darkness. Period. Done. Brother. Implying one another. Fellow Christians. Those in the family of God. Turn to 1 John 3, verse 14. says this in verse 14. We know that we have passed into, from, or out of death into life. And let me stop there. The first analogy we saw in chapter 2 was light and darkness. 
We ever said they're in the like, light, right? Out of darkness, from darkness, we come into light. Well, this, one, this analogy is death and life. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. I mean, that's just plain and simple. We see both commandments there, first and second commandment, right? Those that, that come out, you would think the first commandment, love of, of God, but the love of brothers proves the love of God. Again, how could you say you love the invisible God while hating or even just not loving his visible image? Remember Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Think about it this way. Hit it from a different angle. And I've said this a number of times, but let me say it again. How could you say... I love Christ, but then not love his bride, the church. That's like someone coming up to me and saying, Nathan, man, I love you, but your wife, I can't stand her. You're lucky if I don't punch you in the face, right? The church is the bride of Christ. Listen, the church may not be perfect. In fact, it is not perfect. But it's the bride of Christ. Therefore, do you really love Christ if you don't have a passionate love for the church? Do you really love Christ if you don't have a passionate love for what he loved to the point that he sacrificed his own life for it? Turn to 1 John chapter 4 verse 20. Verse 20. If anyone says, again, anyone claims, uses their mouth, anyone says, I love God. What is that? The greatest commandment. It's the first commandment. It's the first five commandments. The first half of the Ten Commandments. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, what's that? The second greatest commandment. The, the second half of the, the Ten Commandments. Love of neighbor, love of the image of God. The two greatest commandments in this one verse. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother... He is a liar. Period. I mean, John is straightforward. I, and John talks about love a lot in First John. He's called the Apostle of Love, and this is the um, Epistle of Love. First John is just straightforward. <laughs> For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And that's just clear. Verse 21, listen to this. And this commandment, now, let me just stop right there. When you see that word commandment in Scripture, 
in the context of the early church and the Jewish context, that, that word has meaning behind it. Commandments. This commandment we have heard from him. Well, from who? Jesus. What command? Well, the commandment we got from Jesus. The greatest and the second greatest. And John just equates them together and says one commandment. which is a summation of the entire law, which is a summation of the entire Ten Commandments, the greatest and second greatest commandment. Listen to how John understood what Jesus said. Verse 21, And this commandment we have heard from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You want a summary of the Ten Commandments? There it is. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Love for God and love for the brethren are inseparable. They're inseparable. If one loves God, he will not be able to stop himself from loving the image of God, the brethren, the church, those that make up the church. Ray Van Nies writes this, love for God must result in love for other believers. As John has been urging, if one does not love God's people, he does not love God. Thus, to claim to love God while refusing to love his people makes one a liar. We cannot demonstrate love toward God while being hidden away by ourselves, concerned only with ourselves and God. To love God, you must care for his people. Thus, it is ludicrous to claim we love God while failing to assemble with his people. The Bible knows nothing of a just me and God religion. Nothing. That's an American individualistic culture, not the Bible. Again, verse 21. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Again, that's a summation of the Ten Commandments. Love of God, love of neighbor, vertical relationship, whoever loves God, horizontal relationship, must also love his brother. So that's the application. Let me just end with a couple questions. Do you love the church? Do you love the church? The, the visible church. The local church. Not some theoretical universal church that demands absolutely nothing of you. But the physical body of Christ manifested in the local body. Do you love the church? Let me ask it this way. Do you love God's people? Do you love being around God's people? Are you committed to God's people? Have you been baptized to identify with the church? Have you become a member as a commitment to the local church? 
And I know, I know some of you are thinking, and, and I get it, that I've been hurt in the past by the church. And I don't doubt it. I, I, I know some of you have. In fact, be along Country Oaks long enough and you'll be hurt because it's relationships with sinners. Listen, the church isn't perfect. Let me ask this. Have you ever been hurt by your kids? Have you ever been hurt by your spouse? Are you still dedicated to them? Of course, why? Because you love them. Listen, the church is the bride of Christ. How can you say, I love Christ, but have no affections for his bride? That makes absolutely no sense. How can you say, I love God, and not love the image of God? 1 John 4, 21. And this commandment we have from him, and this is summation of the Ten Commandments right here. Whoever loves God must also love again, I just, I'm amazed that I can call you Father. The implications that, that, that I have a relationship with you because of your grace. That I can call you Abba, Father. But also the implications of that, that I have brothers and sisters who also were saved by that same grace that you love so much you sent your son to die for them, that your son loved them so much that he sacrificed his life on the cross for them. How dare I not love them? God, help us, Lord, as a church. And I, I pray for Country Oaks. I pray for us, Lord, as a local body. Help us love one another. you made it clear, people will know that we are your disciples by our love. God, I pray that our love as a church is just a testimony to the community of Tehachapi, Lord. God, if there's hurts or sins or ugliness that has happened, we are all sinners, Lord. I know that that will happen. It has happened, Lord. And I pray that we seek reconciliation, Lord, because of that love. Help us love one another, Lord, in a supernatural way, Lord, that is attractive to those outside. In your son's name.